This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. This is Mike, and my dogs are barking incredibly loud. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? It's Mike. Yeah, yeah. That was awesome. Just keep going. It's cool. <laughs> you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. <laughs> and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Oh, that's fantastic. They're going to keep going. It's, it's I don't know what cool. that is. It's cool. They're My father-in-law is here anyway. fixing some things. Oh, that's cool. So they uh, might be barking at him. Nice. Uh, well, welcome to... This is a milestone episode, guys. This is our 50th episode. It is. Whoa, whoa. Uh, yeah, 50. this is... Am I 45th? Right-ish. <laughs> Ish, like yeah. That. Yeah, I don't remember what which one I came in exactly. Yeah. I don't remember. I think it was like, I think your first episode was episode f- five or six. Yeah. Okay. Um, then you also weren't on the uh, Boardwalk Empire episode. True. That's yeah. a good point. Yep. That's a good point. I missed a few and, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Time was not at the, uh, oh man. T- did, did you release the, our, our Star Wars discussion, Maddie? No, that's in the B-roll, but he was not in the uh, Fall TV episode with Chris Bengel sure. from We Are Libertarians. Sure. Okay. Um. And then neither one of you guys showed up for the uh, TV discussion with Tank from Title Penny Movie Podcast. But. Yeah. yeah. But we're all here now. We are for our fiftieth episode. 50th episode. Yes, and we've got a lot of cool things planned for the future. I mean, next month we got Indie PopCon and uh in June we're gonna have like a one year anniversary special episode. Mm-hmm. Um That's about it. Other than that, we got nothing. <laughs> um <laughs> We actually I won't say it because I I think it would be a nice a, a real nice surprise. Yeah, but uh, I know we were talking say. about kind of our our summer project, um, and I gotta say I think it's a pretty good one. It's or gonna at least be a funny one. It's gonna be so much fun. Yeah, I'm excited. It's gonna be so. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we always have fun. Yeah, yeah, we do. It's <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. Unlike those other episodes where we just you know. Unlike the other 50 episodes we've done, yeah, this one's going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah. This one's going to be a fun one. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. I got to no, talk to these. Some good, do, you guys have, do you guys have any favorites from the last 49? <sighs> Every one of them except for the choppy one. No, not really, because that, that one was a really good one. And that uh, I'm talking about, I think it was like uh, OV36 or something. Um, uh, pickled gallbladder. It was like one of our, one of our like extended potpourri episodes, but the entire thing is just chopped up because the yeah. mixer was wasn't plugged in properly. Um, so the whole thing and that sucked because that was such a good episode. It yeah. was. Um, like I know I've noticed that if you if you listen to it like, I don't know, kind of not in headphones, but like kind of on like a, a stereo or something or on like a, like your PlayStation. Cause I have all the episodes up on, on my PlayStation safe. Exactly. Yes. Sponsored by Sony. <laughs> not really. This isn't house of cards, but, um, it, um, but it doesn't sound too bad, but I mean, there were some really good discussions on there and Oh, Oh wow. I think I have a segue. Um, yeah, there was really good discussions on there, including a good, um, 
potpourri section or whatever for me for the uh, documentary Mia Maxima Culpa about mm-hmm. the Catholic Church, which brings us into our topic of the week, Ooh. which is religion and movies. Yes. I yeah, that was kind of, that was my attempt at being like Mike, but you know. What's that? Uh just doing segues cuz you're kind of our go-to segue guy. Oh. Well. Yeah. What are you going to do? It was eh, a good try. Yeah. I was it, it was. It worked. I think you got caught up in I think you got caught up in the fact that you had a good segue. Yeah, I did. I, you I got did. A little too excited. It was a. Uh, it became self-aware or something like that. Or I became uh-huh. too self-aware of it. So. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so uh, yeah, I got no segue to that. But religion and movies. Um, I kind of recommended this or suggested this to you guys, because uh, of the close proximity to Easter, um, which was this past Sunday. Um, and then I kind of, I kind of realized this week, like. Okay, Easter's over. I don't know if anyone's re- going to really care about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, this year is is has several religious movies coming out, and they're pretty big too. That's very uh, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, I mean, I mean, in the theater right now alone, you have, um, you you have God's Not Dead, Heaven Is for Real, Noah, and Son of God. Um, which so I, it's t- it's timely. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I've seen half of those. Um, wow. So, yeah. Right? Wow. How many did I just name? Yeah, I saw half of them. That's daunting. Yeah, yeah. And one of them Good was... for you. I know. One of them was Noah, which is like two and a half hours long. So, Oof. we'll get to that later on in the episode. But, um, yeah. But as far as religion and movies go, go or are concerned, uh, do you guys want me to kick it off or... Do it. it. Set the tone. Okay, cool. Um, well, I, <laughs> I have to uh, admit that right now I'm a little sleep deprived because it's 8 p.m. 8 p.m. I woke up 22 hours ago uh, to go to work and haven't slept yet. Wow. And I have to I have to get ready for work in like two hours. This is going to be a fun night. Yeesh. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Oh, thank you. But. One of the reasons why I didn't go to sleep when I at a reasonable time was that I wanted to squeeze in this movie uh, really quickly because, I mean, it's only an hour and 25 minutes. It's a 2008 movie called God on Trial. Have you guys heard about this movie at all? No. Never have. Okay, cool. It's got uh, – it's written by a guy named Frank Cottrell Boyce. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, okay. It might be Frank. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but he uh, he wrote – uh, uh, Danny Boyle's 2004 movie Millions mm-hmm, as okay. a frame of reference. But the movie stars uh, Stephen Delane. I think that's how you pronounce it. Stannis Baratheon from Game of Thrones. And Thomas uh, Jefferson. And Thomas Jefferson from John Adams. Yeah. Uh, it also has Dominic Cooper, who played Al- uh, Howard Stark in the Avenger movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stellan Skarsgård, who, I mean, you know who Stellan Skarsgård is. Um, and Rupert Graves, who plays Lestrade and Sherlock. But it's about a group of Jewish people that are in a con- are, are in Alcatraz. And they've basically, at the beginning of the movie, they are in one big group. And then the Nazis have them going through, like, induction to the camp 
and they have they're evaluating each one and they're like okay you need to go left or right so half of them go to the left half of them go to the right and then they go back to kind of a um a a room where they just sit there and they have to kind of wonder like okay well half of us is about to die mm-hmm. um so then they're kind of talking about this they're kind of in their like barracks for lack of a better word but so they get into a discussion talking about why this is happening to them because they're 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 Jewish people they're God's chosen people and they're wondering why God is doing this to them so it ends up that they start they they conduct a a mock trial uh where God is the defendant uh or he's they're charging him with breach of contract uh for breaking their covenant huh. um and it's it's uh, I have a lot of notes here. Bear with me. Um, uh-huh. It it starts out with like this present day tour group at Alcatraz, and they're kind of they flash back and forth a little bit, kind of establishing the the place. Wait a is, is it Auschwitz or Alcatraz? Oh, did I say Alcatraz? Yeah, you said it twice. My God, my bad. Uh, <laughs> there's Auschwitz. A, there's a difference. There's a distinct <laughs> difference. <laughs> Auschwitz. Wow. Wow. Why? When did I say Alcatraz? Both times. Oh damn it! Uh, I need to. I need to uh, to re reestablish that I have been awake for twenty two hours. Um, Auschwitz. Um, and so and so it flashes back and forth between the tour group and and that it's kind of establishing the scene. Like I, the whole story is being told by this uh, a visitor to Auschwitz who's telling it to another visitor, um, and it's it's kind of. They're basically charging the charge is that God has breached his contract with the Jews and that he is letting the Holocaust happen. And it's it the overarching scope of the movie, it's it's like an intense view of a group of people who are under under stress to put it lightly. Um but it it's just in it's an unknowable stress to us. Um and it's it's kind of how it's testing their faith. Um, and it's, it's, um, kind of scared, going through my notes real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, like the pro, I guess in defense of God is that side is saying that the suffering is, uh, is a punishment that per- perhaps it's the Jews who have breached the contract. Um, but then the other side saying that, saying that they're going to prevail and maybe this is like, uh a cataclysmic divine event that the survivors will live in an age of wisdom and enlightenment for the Jews. It's kind of, it's, it's really, it's interesting the way it depicts both sides of the argument because it's so every line of dialogue that presents, uh, that presents an argument for either side is just so on one hand, it's so well, well written and well established as, as a line of argument but it's got this underlying just coding of just really, really intense, um, horrific emotion uh, tailored to it. And this is very much like an actor's movie because it's extremely dialogue heavy. Um, and it's it's something that the, that the actors kind of really roll with. And there's some really intense moments where like... This one guy is describing uh, 
what happened when when he was taken by the Nazis and saying that he has three sons and um, they basically their their sons were crying and he's pleading with the Nazis not to take his sons and then uh, the son the Nazis like okay well you have three sons here pick one and you can keep them um, wow. and it's just the way that he tells that story it's like I got a little choked up it was really intense. Um, Sounds like a good movie. It's it was incredible, honestly. Um, and what kind of what I kind of kept coming back to was that it felt like I was watching like a screenwriter. Um, at least in the early parts of the movie, it felt like I was watching the screenwriter work through his doubts about his faith in God, and it was like he was putting that th- into the characters on the on the screen. And uh, and it it, it the whole movie kind of plays out more more like a stage play than a movie. Um, kind of reminded me of like, like 12 angry men or, or Glenn, Gary, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, but it, it's, it's just, it's really incredible. Um, I'm trying to, look, I have like two other notes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, like for an example, there's a, like one of, one of the guys says like, well, God's all, God's all knowing he can do all things. And then Rupert Graves' character responds with, well, if he can do all things, why can he not purify his people without gassing them? And mm. it's like there's these moments where these those kind of like biting retorts and like really strong points that they're made from both sides of the debate. It's not like a one-sided thing at all. Like it's not – they don't – they don't present it as like it's not like an atheist is writing the writing the movie saying like hey this is why god's not there or the other way around it's just a really well reasoned depiction of the debate and it's and like i said it's just so packed full of this subtext cuz they're in like the i mean it's it's the debate or the trial or whatever it's not an opportunity for like weak faith weak faith people to be blasphemous or whatever it's actually like a true depiction of religious doubt that's been cast upon people in the worst conditions imaginable. Um, so I highly recommend it. <laughs> it wow. was it was really good. Um, did, did you? Uh, is it on Netflix or anything like that? Uh, I don't know actually. I think you okay. if you can get the disc, I'm sure. Okay. But it. Uh, yeah. The. Um, I mean, it's kind of. Uh, like I said, it's a dialogue heavy movie, so so the direction isn't really. It's kind of this kind of the direction and editing like the camera work and stuff leaves a little bit to be desired but you're not really working looking for looking into it for a uh, for the for the um cinematography <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's just really spectacular content um and really thought provoking and and incredibly moving too that sounds like that would be an incredible debate yeah and given you that you visited uh Auschwitz um and and just like like knowing you tiny I know that you'll 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 have a lot of interesting things to say about this movie mm-hmm. yeah it sounds great yeah and Mike I'm sure you'll like it too yeah yeah a show uh, yeah so so that's my first one <laughs> cool. uh so let's see uh tiny do you want to go next absolutely cool uh the first movie I'm going to bring up is Probably, I would venture to say the most relevant religious film for our generation. Uh, it is 2004's uh, The Passion of the Christ, which was, I think it was written, I know it was directed by Mel Gibson. I think he wrote some of it too. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
it was that that movie was like a force when it came out. I remember it. It, it made like I think worldwide it made like half a billion dollars. Um, Jeez, it's a really uh really really uh successful film, but also you know it had a strong message in it, and mm-hmm. a lot of people wanted to feel the intense emotion that the movie evokes. Um, right. And I think that's why it's it's a good movie to bring up because I think a lot of religious films that that try to stick to canon, like something like The Ten Commandments by Cecil B. DeMille or um, Jesus of Nazareth, stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, they don't always work out because, you know, the stories are thousands of years old and they're a little dry, so you kind of have to... You kind of have to make them up, but this is a very literal transcription of this story, mm-hmm. um, which is it focuses on the chastisement of Christ before he is crucified. It's it is an absolutely horrific thing. Um, it spoke to me specifically because this is a this is a very Catholic interpretation of this story. Um, it, it took me back to a, a point in my childhood where um, I was at church with my uh, my father's side of the family. And we're all Catholic. And one of my dad's brothers, my uncle, uh, was actually a priest for several years. And I remember we were at this, we were at church up in Michigan City, where my dad's family's from. And uh, it's a very old church. It's um, it's more like a cathedral. It has like ninety foot ceilings, and everything is incredibly decorated and beautiful. It's it's actually a really cool building. Um, but along with that, they have some archaic art in there and there is a it's, it's either it's most commonly depicted as a statue it is called uh ecce homo which is latin for i think it means behold the, the man i think that's what it means hmm. but it's taken from the bible where um pontius pilate presents christ to the audience um after his chastisement essentially being tortured um right. and the statue is absolutely horrific. Uh, when I was in that church in Michigan City, I got sick when I saw it. Um, it's it's something that it was tucked into a corner because it's something that the church has tried to kind of get away from because uh, it's it's very disturbing and hard to look at. Uh, essentially, it depicts Christ um, just covered from head to toe with lashes and he's bleeding all over the place. Just a horrific thing, um, especially for like a you know. 11 or 12 year old to see. Right. Um, so it kind of, it kind of stuck with me. And so when I saw this movie, that's, I got that same feeling. Um, and I, you know, I kind of wonder, is that how you're supposed to feel with this, with this story? Because it's so, it is such a tremendous sacrifice that Jesus made in this story. You know, um, it's, it's very common for people to know that, Christ was crucified and died on the cross, but not a lot of people know that he was, according to the Bible, he was horrifically tortured beforehand. Um, And so I think it kind of, I don't want to be too negative here, but I think it kind of capitalizes on guilt. Um, Mm -hmm. It makes you feel, makes you feel especially guilty that this person made this sacrifice for you and you feel like you need to repay it. Um, But again, I think in the context of religion, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, if, if you believe this story to be true, you should feel guilty. So, right. Um, that's an incredible tone that Mel Gibson was able to achieve <laughs> with this movie. I mean, it's it is horrific. I, I was yeah. bawling like a baby when I watched it. Um, I saw it once in the theater, and I haven't seen it again since. But I just remember one 
Ugh, two words, exposed ribs. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it just it really sticks with you. Um, but I'm yeah, the same way. Yeah. I saw I saw it in the theater, and I haven't seen it since. Probably never watched it again. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that is on instant, though. If you want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and also, just to speak to the quality of the film, it's a really good movie. Um, mm-hmm. the, the creative choices. Some of them have been criticized. Uh, they say it's anti-Semitic. I, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I, I can't really speak to that. But um, just a, an incredibly bold choice to, to film it, having all of the characters speaking ancient Aramaic. Yeah. Which is practically a dead language. I think it's Aram- It's either Arabic or Ar- Aramaic. I can't remember it's which. It's Aramaic. Yeah. Is it Aramaic? Yeah, it okay. Yep. Okay. But, uh, I remember not knowing what that was until that movie came out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. Um. So that's that's an impressive choice to make for that movie, but it gives it an incredible authenticity, um, mm-hmm. and just again not not skimping on the gore and the the harshness of that story. Um, it's it it is an experience. It's not always it's not just a movie. It's an experience. You you right. go through a journey as you're watching it, especially if you believe in the story. Um, right, it's incredible. Um. Small tangent, real quick. Uh, Apocalypto thoughts? Um, I thought it kind of got a bad rap. I thought it was a decent movie. Um, again, didn't skimp on the horror and the right. court. But you know, maybe that's maybe that's the right kind of tone to take for a movie like that. Yeah. I've you... never seen it. Okay. Hmm. Tiny, do you remember seeing it in the theater with me? I do. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember that we were late? No. Yeah, we were. I think we went into the wrong theater or something like that. By the time we got to it, we like missed like the first like three or four minutes, mm-hmm. and I'm so particular with that that I haven't seen it since. But I think it kind of set a tone for the whole movie. That I was like, well, I just missed the first like three minutes, and I don't know what the heck's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I need to revisit it because I just I don't really. I uh, think are I, you talking about Passion of the Christ or Apocalypto? Oh, Apocalypto. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so tangent over. <laughs> Mike, Mike, have you seen Passion of the Christ? I haven't seen it. No. Mm-hmm. Um okay. and I can I can kind of I th- I think we can have a lot of discussion about this. I I have not seen it. I saw it or I didn't uh it came out in 04, so I was a junior in high school and I remember my foreign exchange student at the time, he was from Germany. Um and he and my brother went and mm. to see it. And I remember when they came home, they were both very deeply disturbed by it. Uh and my my foreign exchange student Jan was was a a total non-believer at the time, mm-hmm. uh, but he it still it still kind of moved him. And I remember mm-hmm. um, just being shocked that he was as shocked as he was. And so it kind of made me wonder, um, or or I guess be surprised at how popular the film was and how well received it was by you know um, Catholics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, it's kind of funny. I don't remember much of the um, like the the promotional aspect of it. I guess, but my coworker just the other night was talking about how I think he he said that he saw necklaces like promotional neck necklaces like tie in necklaces I guess that weren't like crosses but they were nails. Oh wow! Yeah, which that's a little. Uh, there's a word <laughs> bold um yeah insensitive i guess um yeah. 
but yeah, and I, I just kind of remember. I mean, I I liked the movie. I guess it was one of those experiences where I didn't have like a deep emotional experience to it because I I I think it was just at the time I was a junior in high school as well, but um, junior, yeah. Um, I I saw it and I, I was just like, I think I was so turned off by the gore and in the and the just really. I mean, it was so intense and, and um, horrific to me that it kind of, it was more of a, I don't want to be here anymore kind of experience rather than getting emotionally invested. Cause it was more like I was kind of squirming in my seat, kind of waiting for it to be over with. Cause it was so uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, just from the violence. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it, it had a whole personal side to it for me. So right, right, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's it. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Mike, what's yours? Your next yeah, your first one. Um, well, we all know I love horror, so I think I'm going to talk about a movie that's. Maybe, you probably could have guessed I was going to talk about a horror movie. <laughs> um, I might save The Exorcist for later, but I want to talk about Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Nice. Have you guys ever seen the movie? Yeah. 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 I saw it for the first. I, I think it's. I think it's prudent to bring it up because there's the, uh, the Zoe Saldana, NBC uh, remake, uh, mini series coming out. That's right. I forgot about yeah. that. So I wanted to. I wanted to briefly mention that. Uh, I saw Rosemary's Baby for the first time. I guess it was either over the summer last year or during October. But anyway, uh, I watched it. I remember being pretty impressed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think what we can talk about here on this episode is how it was, uh, influenced by in the sixties, particularly 1968, when the movie was released, the fear of the devil, Mm -hmm. like in a lot of movies and a lot of culture, there was this great fear of the devil. Um, lots of movies were based on it. And so Rosemary's baby is kind of a reaction to that. Or maybe not even so much a reaction to that, just kind of an, another cog in that machine. Um, and so I think it freaked a lot of people out. What if, what if my baby was <laughs> devil spawn? Right. Um, so why do you think that movie was so popular? What do, you, what do you guys think? Did you guys like the movie? I, I've seen it once, and this was probably maybe four years ago. Um, and it's it was an interesting experience for me because I watched it and I I thought it was just okay maybe a little bit overrated like throughout it, because um, I think this was like knee deep in Shocktober. I'm watching all these like more conventional or, or um contemporary horror movies that are like really like oh this is a, this is what's scary because it's in your face all the time. Yeah, it's um, also fantastically dated. Yeah, it, that too. That too. Mm-hmm. But it kind of it it didn't really get me until the end, um, which I mean the statute of limitations are pretty much you know over for spoilers for Rosemary's <laughs> yeah. Baby, but like that last scene where kind of uh, I can only like remember bits and pieces, but where they're kind of looking at the baby, yeah, uh, that just really stuck with me as just super super creepy, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, and it was just it was, I like it was one of those things where all the little pieces here and there didn't quite connect until that last scene, 
to where it just all kind of clicked and I was like, okay, that I just had an experience. Um, but yeah, I was yeah. impressed with it. I and liked it as well. I actually really liked it. I've only seen it once. I've been meaning to see it again. Uh, I just, I just haven't for some reason. Um, Probably it's Roman Polanski, right? Yeah, and yes. you know he yeah, has a that's, bit of that's a, why. Yeah, right. Yeah, I yeah I have a, a small boycott against him, but uh, yeah. that's neither here nor there. But right, uh, the movie's amazing. I I think I was actually I hung on like every scene of the movie. It's 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 incredibly tense. It, it's something that yes, it is. It 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 pokes at your instincts. You know, we all instinctually want to protect a pregnant woman or a baby, you know, that's an instinct that's in every single human. And you have this pregnant woman who's being psychologically tormented throughout the movie. And it was just so creepy. I thought they used the setting incredibly well. It's, it it was, it was creepy that it was in that apartment building sort of, and Mm -hmm. she was kind of hearing things through the walls. I loved it a lot. I thought the environment was great. So it's a good movie. I need to see it again. Um, was, did that come out before or after the omen? Uh, I want to say it was after the Omen. Okay, because I feel like no, I'm sorry, it was actually uh, eight years before the Omen. Oh wow! Oh yeah. wow! I didn't realize it was that big of a, a despair or uh, whatever. Okay. Um, it because I, I think I, I think I may have connected to the Omen a little more, but um, okay, we could you just remember what it was like to be a kid possessed by the devil rather than be a, a woman who was pregnant with the devil's child well i have experience i have experience in both both um sure both personal experiences of that well and don't we all really yeah yeah Yeah. um i just think that there were more just startle more starts in in the omen um the the maid or whatever hanging herself and um sure uh, rosemary's baby is almost just a thriller yeah it's it's Mm -hmm. almost entirely or maybe exact maybe absolutely entirely atmospheric yeah in all tone um yep. which i think my there are a few instances of 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 scare yeah, uh, yeah. you know there's the dead body on the sidewalk early on mm-hmm. there's um there's like the the when the devil is is bedding rosemary mm-hmm. um that's kind of scary yeah, yeah i do definitely. remember that um I think I think I was just going in expecting something different, and maybe maybe if I revisit it, um, knowing what I'm going into, I guess maybe I'll maybe I'll have a change of heart. Um, but that's not to say I didn't. I, I like I said, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was a good movie. Uh, hmm. Just something that it didn't really click for me until the ending. Hmm. Um, yeah, but we could probably. I don't know what the rest of your movies are, Mike, but. I think we should definitely do like a religion and horror movies episode for Shark Sure. Yeah, I think yeah. it would be excellent. Yeah. Um but that's all the way in Shark Yeah. Um is that it for Rosemary's Baby? Should we move Yeah, on? I guess so. Okay, cool. Um I guess it's my turn now, right? Mm-hmm. Um my next movie is a classic. Um, that I actually watched in preparation for this. I, I watched it once in like high school and just, it was one of those movies where I basically bought the big four disc collector's edition because I romanticized the big 
multi-disc collector's edition sets of DVDs. I basically blind bought it specifically because it was loaded with discs and features and stuff. But uh, it's 1959's Ben-Hur. Okay. Um, okay. And I watched it when I was a teenager, and I, I'm, I was like, this is pretty good. Um, and it's been on my shelf for years. And then I dusted it off, and I watched it, and holy crap, this is a really good movie. Huh. Um, it's, it's like a large scale epic, um, that some of the, I mean, I, I don't try, I don't usually, I don't like judge a movie on its time frame or like, like judge the filmmaking based on the time frame, I guess that it was filmed in. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just watching it, it was like, I'm like, thinking like how i i'm kind of wondering how they how they did some of these effects and and stuff like that because there's a big famous chariot race um that takes up about maybe 15 minutes of screen time total which is pretty pretty freaking huge for for mm-hmm. a movie of this of this magnitude um and it basically ben her ben her for those uninitiated with it is a story of uh, this this prince from Judea named Judah Ben Hur, who is betrayed by his friend, who is a Roman soldier. Um, he's betrayed and and sent into slavery. As basically, it's it's an unfortunate situation that happens. A tile accidentally uh, falls from from the from a building that he's on, and hits the governor or whatever of uh like the roman governor that's in town or whatever because they've conquered the romans have conquered judea um and so he's sent into slavery and it's it's spelled out by masala his his former friend who betrayed him uh he's saying like i'm doing this to, to set an example for all the people of judea and he's really cold and heartless he he actually worships caesar as as a deity pretty much and uh and ben hur is like he's this he's this uh Jewish prince who's like he's he's like anti-violence and he's very you know uh noble and so he's sent into slavery and he spends years and years and eventually he comes back and it's it's a revenge movie but where the religion aspect kind of really comes in is it's it's told concurrently with the Jesus story like it starts out like the first scene of the movie and in the subtitle of the movie is it's Ben-Hur a story of the Christ and what I found interesting about it was that the the movie starts out with like the uh, star of Bethlehem and the three wise men and then the manger, all that stuff. Uh, Joseph and, and Mary coming to uh, um, Bethlehem for the for the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the census, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I mean, it's beautifully shot. Like I'm like I was watching that like that. I was like really hooked into it. And then from there, the whole movie kind of takes this thing where like here and there there's like references to Jesus and like this this uh to this man who's 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 preaching and and, and performing miracles and things like um Ben Hur is is uh he's he's being marched with a group of, of slaves and, and stuff uh, through the desert and he just like they stop outside of Jesus's uh house. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. and uh or workshop or whatever and so like one of the roman soldiers is like no water for him referring to ben-hur uh and then jesus just gives him water and then it's kind of like that kind of tangential relationship with the jesus story is that he's kind of pops up here and there 
Um, and then by the end of it, it kind of, it kind of has this theme of, of Judah Ben-Hur is seeking this revenge, um, and trying to find, and eventually he's trying to find his, his, uh, sister and mother. And it's kind of just, it's kind of told as people are telling him about Jesus and, and the teachings that Jesus is, is having. And it's kind of a, it's an interesting reflection of, of Jesus' teachings on to Judah Ben-Hur, who he, he isn't really, I mean, he's preoccupied with other things. So he's not really, you know, he's not all like going to watch the Sermon on the Mount or whatever. Um, but it's, it's, it's happening as he's doing these things and it's kind of affecting him in ways that he's not really expecting. Um, and another thing, like I said, the chariot race is just, I mean, it's incredible, um, piece of filmmaking, um, especially for the time. It's just, I mean, it was a very engaging, very tense. Um, it's where it's famous, uh, has a famous like spikes on the, on the wheels of the chariot that to Mm -hmm. cheat pretty much. Um, I won't give anything away, but there's an intense naval battle and there's, there's some really surprising bits of violence. Like there's a chafed ankle of this guy that's trying to get his chain undone and, uh, an amputated hand and a spear that's thrown through the back. So there's some interesting bits of, uh, violence in it, especially for a movie from 59. Um, yeah, that's, that's my spiel for, for that. There's also, it's has an interesting look at how lepers were, kind of treated and like how they were displaced and, and like pariahs. Um, oh yeah. Isn't there a scene where they go to a leper colony? Yeah. The, the Valley of the lepers it's, it's featured in right. uh, pretty heavily in the last act. Right. Um, the only thing I remember from that movie is the chariot race. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> a very memorable scene. It is. It's um, so ahead of its time. Yeah. Iconic even. Um, yeah. And then my final note about Ben-Hur and we can, I can, have you guys take the floor about it if you have anything to say about it but um james cameron could really learn a thing or two from i think it's william wyler um and the writer uh wallace um regarding pacing because the movies to be fair i don't think james cameron cares i don't think so either absolutely (laughs) um i think he should care because i mean this is a three uh i think it was like three and a half hour movie and I mean, I was, it was, I was set, um, throughout mm. it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you guys have anything to say about Ben-Hur? Have you guys seen it? Do you guys? I've never seen it. Okay. I, I feel bad because you spent so much time, but I've never oh, seen it. Oh, that's all good. Um, I actually own it. Um, yeah. But, but I've only watched it the one time when I was a teenager. <laughs> probably because yes. it's three and a half hours long. Exactly. Um, Do yeah, you have the I, big four disc collector's edition? I don't. I don't even remember what kind of version <laughs> I You suck. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I had completely forgotten about the whole um, Jesus subplot to it. Yeah. Which is indicative of right. some things. Um, Spoiler alert, he gets crucified at the end. What? But, no, but and it's actually, I mean, like, along, along Ben-Hur's, like, journey, he, he meets Pontius Pilate, and he witnesses it's it's really cool well it's it's really interesting the way that the jesus story is wrapped up into um is interlaced i guess with ben-hur's story it's it's just really it's really cool storytelling actually um because it's basically the jesus story is a backdrop to this revenge story 
um, that has bigger themes that that tie in with Jesus's teachings. It's it's really interesting implementation of of both kind of things. It's it was I I I dug it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Oh. Um. Well, that's bliss now. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, tiny, what do you got for us? Sure. I have a lighter one to mention this time. (laughs) It's actually, uh, I guess it's just like a full blown comedy pretty much. Um, actually there are a couple religious comedies we could bring up, but, uh, this one is, uh, keeping the faith from, I think it was like 2000, 2001. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, Edward Norton's directorial debut. Right. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's a really good movie. It really is. The acting is phenomenal. It was written really well. Um, and the, the best part about it is it's about these two uh, clergy or clerics from two different religions who are best friends. It's mm-hmm. And, you know, that sounds like uh, that sounds like the plot of a comedy. <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of a joke, you know, um, but it's not presented that way at all. Like their friendship is so genuine in the film. Uh, it's, it feels like Ben Stiller and Edward Norton are actually best friends. It's, uh, it was really well done in that aspect. Um, mm-hmm. and it, one of the more interesting parts of the film is that, uh, both of these guys end up, uh, falling in love with the same girl that they knew from their childhood who comes back into their lives and they're, once they're, uh, members of their respective, uh, religions. But, um, it's just an interesting depiction of how, how our, our cleric, how we treat our clergy. Um, because, you know, in, in Catholicism, priests can't marry and then to be put, but in Judaism, I think, uh, again, under, I'm uneducated on, on the facets of Judaism, but I think in all branches of Judaism, rabbis can marry. I, I don't know if there's any denominations where they can't. I, I think they all can. So, um, this, you know, so this priest falling in love with this woman is a huge deal. It's a big problem for him. Um, but for this other guy, you think, oh, that's nice. He, he found a girl. He can get married. Well, it's not because he's Jewish and she's not. So he still has this, this huge thing hanging over his head that he's married to this girl. Or I'm sorry, that he's in love with this girl and he wants to start a life with her and get married to her. But she's not Jewish and, you know, he's a rabbi. It's kind of a, it kind of matters, you know. <laughs> Um, and of course, you know, given the title, it all comes down to faith. Um, I won't spoil it, but you know, it's just all about, you think it's about having faith in God, but it's actually about having faith in your fellow man and your peers and your loved ones. Um, it's, it's a really nice story. It's really funny. Uh, Ken Jong, or no, wait, is that his name? I can't remember. Um, is that his name? The, the would... Asian actress, actor from Lost? Oh, uh, the first Saw movie. Um, oh, 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 that's not Ken Jong, but I Ken know who Lang, Ken Lang. Ken Lang. Is it Lang Lung. or Lung? Lung or Lang, I'm not sure how to pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. Ken Lang. Got the first name right. Yeah, um, yeah. He has a hilarious cameo as a, um, a karaoke machine salesman. Yes! <laughs> that is <laughs> honestly. Like a joke. Yeah. That's honestly like the only scene of the movie that I actually remember. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Ah, I need to watch that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a great movie. Um, it kind of uh, this will be an overarching theme in all three of the films I I, I talked about, but uh, it it does also kind of address how religions kind of use guilt to sort of hmm. 
keep people in line. Again, not to be negative, but you know, the this priest feels guilty about a completely natural thing of falling in love with this woman and mm-hmm. and the the rabbi feels guilty about falling in love with a woman who's not Jewish and wanting to marry a woman who's not Jewish. Um, right. So that's huh. yeah. It's an interesting part of the film, but in the end, the way it's worked out is it's a pretty beautiful thing. It really is. It's okay. it's a nice story. <sighs> nice. Yeah. yeah, I need to see it again. Mike, have you Mike, seen it? Yeah, have you seen it, Mike? Uh, yeah, I have. I saw it once. My brother got it, I think, on DVD one year for Easter or something like that, <laughs> interestingly <laughs> enough. My brother's a big Edward Norton fan, yeah, and uh, he let me watch it, and I thought it was pretty good. Nice. nice. Yeah, it was so long ago, and it was ultimately uh, kind of forgettable. So I, I can't really say more than that. But mm-hmm. I, I didn't hate it. I can I can see that. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm uh, at the time I saw it. I mean, I was uh, really really diehard Ed Norton fan, and I still am. But even like going into it, I was like, okay, this is this is okay. This isn't. It's not. It's not death to smoochy. <laughs> bad but i mean it's it's still pretty it's good but it's kind of like in the in the in the in the canon of his of his filmography it's kind of kind of toward the bottom that's not to say anything negative about it just he has a really impressive filmography true um so it kind of falls uh, by the wayside i think it was my first exposure to jenna elfman um because i never watched starman greg um excuse me but uh she was fantastic in it. Um, just absolutely lovable. And like, I'm sure most of the guys that watched it probably had a crush on her. <laughs> nice. Not, not to mention the fact that she's gorgeous. Um, yeah. So I, I was really impressed by her. I haven't seen her in much else. Unfortunately. Yeah. I feel like she was. In something yeah. I was just going to say my yeah. first exposure to her and probably Mike's too is can't hardly wait. If, if you don't mind me speaking for you. No, that's fine. I, I I did watch Starman Greg a little bit, so oh, really? I think actually that might have been my first experience with her. Okay. okay. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm about to be really snarky, but you know what the best thing about Starman Greg is? It's about how one of them's a free spirit, but the other one is just a straight-laced guy. <laughs> um, you don't see that ever in every other show. No. Um, <laughs> I think that was that was like Chuck Lorre's first show by himself or whatever. Oh, really? I think he created it. That's right. I remember in those those cards at the end of uh, his other shows, he he references it. Yeah. This so. is back when I watched like four seasons of Big Bang Theory. Right. Funny. Yeah. Is it? Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, well, that's good. Uh, yeah. Mike, you are up, sir. Yes. Yeah, I think I'll keep it funny like you did, if you don't nice. mind, Tiny. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna reference. Um, this is a comedy. But it's also kind of uh, a sad film because it has to do with death. And I'm referring to the death of Jim Carrey's career. <laughs> it was done through Bruce Almighty because Bruce his Almighty. career died after that. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> Bruce Almighty really, though, I think is like his last great Jim Carrey role. Yeah, I can't. You know, I mean, yeah. Yes Man was, I guess, kind of a small hit. But Bruce Almighty was his last great role, I think. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Dumb and Dumber 2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, everybody has seen Bruce Almighty. Um, I, I think it's pretty hilarious. It was our first 
uh, it was our introduction to Steve Carell. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think he was he was on the Daily Show at the time, but mm-hmm. Bruce Almighty kind of kind of broke him. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, I have a funny anecdote if you don't mind me interrupting real quick. No, not at all, please. Um, that scene with Steve Carell reading the news where where Jim Carrey's just messing with him and all that. I when I first saw it, I mean, I was in. When was that? That was like 2000. Was that 2003, 2004? Um, anyway, I was a teenager in high school. And like, as I was watching that scene, for some reason, all I could help to think was, wow, Jim Carrey is really funny. <laughs> and I, I didn't, it, for some reason, like, I mean, this may have just been my initial thought. And it, after like, like later that night, I thought, wait, that guy who actually performed the scene was really funny. But I felt like it kind of, <laughs> The focus of it was kind of skewed toward Jim Carrey a bit because there was a lot of like quick shots to him, like manipulating him and all that. And it's kind of like he's oh, making yes. all these goofy faces and everything. When and when you kind of peel it back and look at it, Steve Carell's performance in that scene is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, he, almost, he almost stole the whole movie with that scene. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to YouTube that later. <laughs> um, but yeah and i loved it i i loved that scene uh the movie as a whole like you know mike you can continue i didn't mean to bogart your oh that's okay no spiel. not at all um i'll just i mean just only a couple more things to say mm-hmm. uh morgan freeman was excellent in it jennifer aniston i think it was one of the first movies uh that could show that she had that she could hold her own beyond friends mm-hmm. i know that friends wouldn't end yet for another year Mm-hmm. Uh, after Bruce Almighty was released, but um, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Bruce Almighty was kind of the the her first big movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the rock rock star was out, but that yeah. wasn't a hit. Uh, the Iron Giant is kind of a cult favorite. Office Space is kind of a cult favorite. So I think, like in terms of leading woman, uh, Bruce Almighty was her first. So, yeah, um, true. but it's good. It's just a great movie. I love it. Mm-hmm. Incredibly blasphemous. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Just in the, you know, talking about religion. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess I should have spun it around to that. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. No, it was, I, I like the movie. Um, Evan Almighty, um, never got around to seeing it. You oh, didn't you didn't? I actually no. saw it. How was it? It's not good. Yeah, I didn't think so. Pretty awful. No. no. Uh, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, should we circle back to me? Sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, I've got... Uh, let's see. Have we talked about Noah yet on the, on the podcast at all? I don't I think, think so. so. I don't think so either. Um, me and Tiny both saw it. And Mike, have you seen it yet? I have not. Okay, it's... And when you say yet, I should add that I probably won't ever see it. Okay. <laughs> it. I mean, I'm an Aronofsky fan. Um, for the most part, I mean, I appreciate him as a filmmaker immensely. Um, Requiem for a Dream is one of those movies that I'll... I watched once in high school and thought, okay, I thought two things coming out of it, thinking one... This was like early high school. I saw like one, I thought, okay, I'm never going to do drugs. <laughs> and, 
and two is and I'm never gonna see this movie again. <laughs> um, and I, I I'll see it again, of course, but it was just one of those movies that affected me so strongly and I had such an emotional, emotional reaction and a lot of his other movies. I mean, the fountain took a couple viewings to really appreciate. I appreciate the filmmaking on that. The, the, the effects that were made dirt cheap, um, and the really just weird story. Um, but with Noah, I, I'm torn because I really liked the visuals and, and, there are some really cool, I mean, obviously it's the story of Noah and Noah's Ark. Um, but there's some really cool, like, time lapse shots in the, in the dreamscape shots, cause it's Russell Crowe's, is Noah, and he has these visions. It's not, God doesn't speak to him, like, through the clouds. He has visions in his dreams, which I thought was, was a really cool narrative device, um, to deliver this, this aspect of the story. And it's depicted in really cool ways. And like, there's, there's like a monologue at the beginning of the movie that kind of, kind of goes through all of the, um, the creation story and the serpent and Adam and Eve and all that. Um, that's really told in a really cool visual style. Um, but the movie as a whole, I, I thought it was just okay. Um, there's elements of it that just seemed a bit off. Like you, like it was a bit fantastical. <laughs> It was a bit overly fantastical. Like he incorporated, um, to kind of, I guess to kind of, um, what's the word on ticket to kind of reconcile the fact that this elderly man or elderly in the story man, uh, is constructing this large arc by himself, uh, to incorporate that he incorporated these or to, to reconcile that he incorporated these, um, rock monsters that are like fallen angels that are, weird ent like creatures from like Lord of the Rings. Um, and it kind of felt like a little, a little disjointed and a little kind of weird to me. Um, but the, the story, once, once they get on the arc, there's also the other, uh, some interesting conflict with, uh, other, with man, um, uh, like a tribe of men who want the arc and all that. Um, but once they get on the boat, there's some interesting stuff with Noah, um, he kind of has some interesting interpretations of, um, they, they never say God. He's, they just refer to him as the creator, um, his plan and everything. And he has interesting t- interpretations and, and things like that. And he almost becomes an, a, a villain of sorts, but it's, it's a really interesting incorporation of the story or an interpretation of the story, um, an expansion to, to incorporate some other themes and stuff. Um, and again, visually interesting. Um, but I, I mean, it's overall kind of, I don't want to say forgettable, but kind of, I'm not, I'm kind of lukewarm on it. So tiny, what did you think of it? Um, I probably liked it less than you did. I (laughs) thought, (laughs) I agree with you on the visuals. Um, Mm -hmm. Darren Aronofsky never fails in that regard. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the dialogue was just super hammy to me. Um, yeah. Just didn't care for it at all in in that respect. Um, I thought the the ancillary characters were very underdeveloped and just not um, didn't didn't give a whole lot to the story. Uh, maybe in the third act they kind of did, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, his wife and uh, a couple of the other kids. Um, right. At that point, they're the only characters in the movie, obviously. <laughs> Right. Um, but I, I don't know. And I thought some of the 
the performances were just a bit hammy as well. Uh, there's a few parts where um, Emma Watson and Jennifer Connelly kind of break down, and I just thought it was just a little over the top for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Logan Lerman, ugh, that dude is just the best. He's I like one of my favorite young actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he made the best of a bad situation in this movie, in my opinion. <laughs> um, his character was not well done, in my opinion. His The conflict they invented between him and his father was... It, it was something that needed to be said. Um, <laughs> but the way they said it was super clunky it needed to be shown more than said yeah um because it was really really on the nose yeah and really lacking in a creative uh capacity yeah so yeah but you know i kind of wonder like is this is this kind of the best we can get when it comes to this story because uh when you look at the story as told in the bible it's like three paragraphs long right that's the that's the whole story yeah it's just it's very dry um and you have to, you, if you want to make this into a film, you have to take creative liberties. And right. a lot of people have issues with that. Well, okay, if, if, if that's how you feel, then, you know, you can't get a Noah movie or, you know, you can't yeah. get a great flood, a great, great flood movie. So I, I don't know if this was necessarily the best way to do that, mm-hmm. but, um, it, it was interesting. I, I give him credit for, for going all in. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. In terms of the best interpretation of the Noah story, I I think that they he came close to hitting the mark on this. Um, mm-hmm. If he had cut out pretty much pretty much everything that didn't have to do with his inner struggle with the creator while he was on the ark, uh, like I'm I'm dancing around spoilers here, but there's there's a subplot on the ark that I was just completely disinterested in. Um, and uh, I was pissed there were no dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to see some dinosaurs really bad. <laughs> yeah. But the and the other thing, I think that there is a good story to tell, like a good way to tell this story. Um and I think they hit it very close to the mark by incorporating uh Tubal Cain, I guess. Um because I think that, like, him and his whole tribe of man, men that are, like, like really, like, they're, to, they're per, the personification of the reason why the flood is happening. Um, but it is told in a kind of a, kind of a pre, kind of a preachy, like, vegetarian kind of thing instead of, like, I don't know if that's that's the intention, but it's like like pretty much the extent of them, of the evilness of man is them hunting animals, huh? And that kind of, I mean, I thought like, man, that they just missed a huge opportunity. Like they're, I mean, they showed some things that are like that are like like the evilness of man because in 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 the Bible it says you know all thoughts of man were consumed by pure evil and all that. And that's why the, the flood happened. But I feel like that could have been much, much better personified, uh, through, um, Tubal Cain and his, and his cronies in the movie. Um, and they could have, see, cause I thought, I'm sorry to interrupt. I oh, thought no, that, no, was, that's fine. that was one of the most effective parts of the movie. Was oh, where really? They showed, huh. Where they showed kind of their camp when they set up this camp to like, take over Noah and like take over the Ark from Noah. Mm-hmm. They set up this camp to like build these weapons to, to go to war with them essentially. Uh, and, and they show us like the inner workings of this camp and it was 
incredibly effective to me. There was like no music, and it was just these sc- eternal screams of terror coming mm-hmm. from all corners of this camp. Men were just stealing women away, and they were yeah. ripping these animals apart and eating them whole, eating them raw. It was incredibly disturbing to me. I thought that was, again, an effective representation of evil. Yeah, but I think that that was like the only scene of that kind in that movie. There was like a, like one scene of that. If I'm unless I'm mistaken, unless I'm forgetting something. Um, well, in the opening scene, the prologue, essentially they they murder a man to steal his land to mine it. Oh right, yeah. But yeah. I just feel like it would have been kind of better if it was just more of like, for lack of a better word, good versus evil. Well, I'm not because. Because Noah's just one person, but if it if it was sprawled out more, I guess like the evilness of man is sprawled out throughout the movie instead of these. Because a lot of the movie is is this subplot involving Logan Lerman's character and and all that stuff. I kind of feel like they could have cut that out and made it more about Tubal Cain trying to get the Ark as much as possible. I mean, they could have left in the stone monsters or the stone figures or whatever and have them fight him a little bit more but mm. i don't know it's just something about something about the um the storytelling was a little clunky to me yeah yeah, yeah. yep so it's turned into a mini noah review it did it did <laughs> but i gotta ask you guys is it better or worse than the made for tv 1998 film starring tony danza called noah <laughs> i have uh, no idea Oh, damn it. oh, nice! Do you guys remember that movie? I don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna seek it out. Though. Um, it's kind of. It's kind of. Uh, it's kind of Evan Almighty before there was an Evan Almighty. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. A guy. A guy learns how to appreciate his family through building an ark. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Mm. Uh. So yeah, so that that was Noah. Um, what else do you guys got? I had so much more. We're at like um, we're at an hour, but um, we can keep going because we know. are. Well, what else did you have? Uh, well, I had two. Well, three technically, but two I was gonna punch together. Do you mind if I just go, or do you, do you guys want to go ahead of me? I'll do one more. Okay, uh, it's kind of my, kind of my turn. Right, right. Um, <laughs> not to be a jerk. No, 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 no. That's fine. That's why I asked. Um, it's quick. Um, I, I the movie is uh, the Believer. Um, oh yeah, which, which is a heavy choice for this because it's a it's an incredibly anti-Semitic film. Mm-hmm. Um, it involves a man who becomes a neo-Nazi. Uh, it was I, I appreciate the film um, almost strictly for Ryan Gosling's performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day, I think it's his best work. Um, it was sort of. I don't know if it was his breakout, but uh, I think people really started to take notice of him after it. Um, it's it's based incredibly loosely on a true story about a man who uh, became a semi-famous, um, not famous, but he, he became known, uh, I don't want to spoil it, in the uh, New York area as a neo-Nazi. Uh, and then they, go, they come to find out that he was... Um, I think he was like a hundred percent Jewish and he was even, he went to uh, Hebrew school and all that stuff. Um, he was devoutly uh, religious um, as a child. Mm-hmm. And so it's, this movie is about this man who throws his faith 
to just throws his faith away completely and becomes the antithesis of it. Um, he walks around with a shirt that has a giant swastika on it. Um, he lifts weights, typical neo-Nazi skinhead. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he eventually, I don't want to spoil it again, but he eventually, again, to, to come back to my theme, I think guilt gets the better of him. <laughs> um, and he, uh, he ends up, um, kind of coming back to his faith and, and, and reaffirming his, his belief in these practices and, and this dogma, um, uh, this religious canon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like I said, I think 80% of the film's quality goes to Ryan Gosling's amazing performance. He's so intense, uh, and just a lot of people compared it to, um, Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver, which I think oh, is a nice. good comparison. Um, uh, it, it's a great movie and I, I love the journey his character goes through. Um, I, I just, I love it. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. It's, it's one of my favorite performances. So yes. I uh I saw it once and I, it was you bo- loaned me your copy and I liked it a lot. I just don't remember much of it, but I do remember one mm-hmm. scene where they're in a synagogue, I, I think, or mm-hmm. something. And I want to say they're like trashing it or burning it or something. And like, there's a scene where he's like reading the Torah or he's looking through the Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel I, that's just what jumps out to me about about the movie that I remember that. Yeah, he sees the words, and he just has this moment where he's like, ah, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. Because it's like, again, uneducated on Judaism, but I believe the Torah is like, it is the literal word of God, but in in the synagogue they have these scrolls that the Torah is written on, and mm-hmm. I think it's called the flame alphabet. Um, and it's, it's supposed to be like, a, it's kind of like a relic, uh, or like a, I don't know if it's like a physical representation of a covenant or, or something like that, but it's an incredibly sacred thing. Like, you know, Christians and Catholics, we just kind of carry around Bibles. We don't, we don't hold the physical Bible in any kind of necessary regard. Not really, unless it's like a significant an individually significant Bible, but it's different for the Torah in each respective synagogue. It has, right. it's, it's a, it's a really special thing and he sees it and he just has this reaction to it. And he's just like, I think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a huge revelation to him in that moment that he's kind of lying to himself. Um, so yeah, that's one of the better scenes in the movie. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, any, anything? Yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a quick, like you said, cause you have a bunch and, and I'd like, I'd like for you to, to, to round it out. Okay. But, uh, I'll, I guess I'll just talk about the pair of Kevin Smith religious movies. Nice. Uh, one of them is a comedy and one of them is very much not a comedy. Right. <laughs> uh, Dogma, which is a movie I saw on VHS um, after Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So when I saw Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I didn't really get the whole lore that they were playing on. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I saw when I saw Dogma, I, I appreciated it in a new light. Uh, it's a really funny movie. It's... Um, it's Matt Damon and Ben Affleck before people hated Ben Affleck and then <laughs> loved him again. Um, so he's really good in that. I don't know. It's just a fun watch. It's really funny. Alan Rickman is particularly fun to watch in that movie. Um, Red State is the other one. And I just love, I guess I bring them both up because they take two very different stances on religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kevin Smith is a religious person. He's gone on to say that he, he has, he has belief in God. 
Um, I don't know that he is necessarily Catholic, uh, but he is definitely not a member of the Westboro Baptist Church. <laughs> um, and if you if he he did the that movie that uh, that like extended Q and A with Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. about red state i wish i could remember what it was called uh, i think it's called i, th- I want to say it's called kevin smith is going to hell Could be. <laughs> don't quote me on that though or yeah. burning in Perfect hell title. burning hell something, something like that um so anyway he he basically talks about he he asks he it's burning hell yeah okay kevin smith burning hell so anyway he's basically just answering questions about um like making the movie as well as what influenced him to make the movie. And and I'm pretty sure it's one of his close friends is gay and how he kind of stood up to this uh, Westboro Baptist church kind of picketing that they tend to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he just decided to, to make a movie about it. Um, I remember like expecting more going into the movie and I guess kind of being let down, but I'm sure if I saw it again, knowing what I know now, I would enjoy it a lot more. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you guys enjoy the movie? Uh, I had pretty Red, much Red State. Yeah, I had pretty much that exact same reaction that you did. Only I did see it a second time, and I did enjoy it more the second time. You did, okay. Yeah, good to know. Um, it was really intense. I mean, the violence and and it just doesn't really. Once it gets going, it doesn't really stop. No, um, yeah, I agree. The ending is a little weird, but I mean, I agree with you. Um, but what kind of the what grabbed me about it was that i have kind of a peculiar not interest or fascination with westboro baptist church you can actually shameless plug hear me talk about it on the secular perspective podcast um i did an episode about them but there's a pair of really interesting uh british documentaries by louis thoreau is that his name i think so yeah uh, where he goes and talks to westboro baptist church people and and uh, it's called America's Most Hated Family. You can hear snippets of it in my Secular Perspective podcast huh. episode. Um, but it's it's really interesting to see them and like I mean he captured that kind of mentality, uh, cult mentality behavior, extremist behavior uh, to a T. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. It's Red State's a good movie. The cast is stacked, man. Yeah, yeah. there's some really good actors in it. Um, and the violence is, is really appropriate for the for the uh, subject matter of the movie. Mm-hmm. I've really I've really found that I that I uh, fancy myself a Michael Parks fan. Yeah, and he he's amazing in it. I think he's fantastic, man. Oh yeah, yeah, terrific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's that's mine. Cool, cool. Um, does he come back to me to round it out? I guess. I think sure. so. Okay. Well, really quickly before I get into the other one. Uh, I have three here. Two I'm going to group together. Uh, God's Not Dead and Heaven is for Real. God's Not Dead, I've talked ad nauseum about it on the Secular Perspective podcast, and I wrote a review of it, a review slash rant on uh, the blog. I'll put links in the show notes and everything. It's just I I didn't like it, uh, didn't expect to like it, um, was ex- was offended by it um, as, as my own personal philosophy is concerned. Uh, very one-sided. To contrast it with God on Trial, it's, it's an extraordinarily one-sided uh, debate format of a movie. Um, 
which is the pretty much the antithesis of God on trial, actually. Um, and then Heaven is for Real, I haven't seen it, probably not going to see it because, not because of any personal philosophy for me. If I, if I do see it, I will not pay to see it. I'll sneak in, I'll pay another ticket and sneak in because I'm so, so adamantly against what they're doing to it. And if you read reviews on Amazon, you'll see that a lot of people from both sides of the, of the religious debate, uh, are just disgusted by this movie and, and book because I read a review that, basically outlined everything that's wrong with what they did. Uh, it's about a kid who had appendicitis for like three days and the parents didn't do anything about it. Didn't take him to a doctor. They were on vacation, uh, took him around to, to a friend and drove him when they decided to take him to the doctor. They drove him three hours away to go home, to go to the hospital. Um, and it turned out that he had appendicitis and you know, he's, he's puking every half hour, the entire ride home, uh, he, and he's like a four, three or four year old kid. Uh, so he's obviously getting dehydrated and everything. So when he gets under the knife to get his appendix out, of course, he's going to have some messed up visions or something or think he does or whatever. So that's the whole basis of the book. So not only is it glorifying child neglect and all that, it just comes across to me as a as a uh, cash in. It's expl- exploitative of this child's experience that they're like okay well you know and i don't know the burpos or anything but it just seems like they're making a lot of money off of this story that is predicated off of the fact that they neglected their child for like 72 hours when he had a really horrible medical condition Mm -hmm. yeah so um that's that (laughs) and then the last one i want to bring up and i mean this doesn't have to be a long one or anything it can be short um the mist uh oh nice yeah yeah. uh stephen king adaptation by frank darabont so there right there just ensures a good time for me at least um really cool depiction of of religion in it um it's kind of uh marcia gay harden plays um this uh in my notes i have it written as uh yahweh or the highway kind of um (laughs) religious fanatic (laughs) (laughs) who <laughs> um, sees that the sees that the, what's going on because it's a supernatural event that the, no one has an explanation to. There's monsters in, in a mist that's covering this entire town. They're confined to the small grocery store, and eventually, um, she's spouting. It starts out with her spouting off this 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 just religious, just really like Old Testament wrath of God religious doctrine stuff, and then eventually like everyone's kind of like okay well she's crazy and then eventually it kind of gets to the point where people kind of they divide up into factions and people start following her and it's kind of like a little like mini cult in it like they they uh reference her as saying like well we have our own jim jones now Uh, is it jim jones yeah um so i just thought it was an interesting depiction of what people uh it, it felt like it I mean, as real as it can be in that situation, in that premise, uh, an interesting view of what man can do when they're under an unknowable stress and they, they turn to something that is destructive from the outset. I, not to say not to say anything about religion or anything. I'm just saying that from that kind of militant religion mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that was that was it. Uh, and there's a really good performance in the movie by Toby Jones. Um, everybody really everyone yeah everyone uh marcia gay harden also fantastic 
I'm going to throw in a quick honorable mention. Sorry. No, just go right ahead. Go for if it. You ha- if you haven't seen the movie Life of Brian, see it. It is hysterical. <laughs> uh, it is a Monty Python movie, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're Catholic, uh, because there are there's a scene where uh, it involves uh, writing uh, writing in Latin, <laughs> and that's if you ever went to Catholic school you had to like learn some Latin and it was always, it's a hard thing to learn and it's not something that kids are very good at grasping. And <laughs> it just absolutely cracked me up personally. They, they turned a, a public stoning of some stoning someone to death into a hilarious scene. Nice. Uh, brilliant movie. Definitely watch it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's so many more we can talk about. Obviously, oh, I mean, yeah. this is a very uh, broad yeah. topic. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> um, yeah. Last you said, all these movies. But uh, we're about out of time. We should switch to – do we want to do Potpourri? Uh, yeah, we could definitely go on with this forever, but uh, I think we're kind of running out of time. But there's yeah. always time for that which we love most, and that's things that smell good, Potpourri. Of course, everybody knows potpourri is where we talk about anything we want, things we've seen, thinking, things we're looking forward to seeing, or just things we're thinking about. Uh, or obsessively viewing. So, Tiny, what do you want to tell us about? Uh, I wanted to talk about some news um, that kind of came out, and I was kind of wanting your guys' opinion on it. Uh, I guess at uh, WonderCon over the weekend, I think it was, Hmm. um, there was some footage of the new Godzilla movie, and that movie looks awesome. Yeah, it really does. I don't know if we've talked about it much on here yet. I don't think Um, so either. It looks awesome. Uh, but I guess I, I guess they're describing it as leaked footage from the movie. Um, I guess you get some some extensive footage of the actual of Godzilla, the actual monster. Um, and of course, you can go see it online if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't watched it. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm kind of curious, like, what your guys' opinion on that is. Like, if it's leaked footage, I mean, would you watch it? That I mean, I guess it's only a couple minutes. It's not like it's the whole movie or anything, or like twenty minutes. It's only like a couple minutes. But do you guys think it's kind of like you're kind of like selling yourself short to watch something like that, or do you think it's okay to go for it? Oh, absolutely, don't watch it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, that's that's an interesting. It's an interesting question because, I mean, that kind of. I mean, they just released. I mean, this isn't really the same thing, but they kind of they just released like the first five minutes of How to Train Your Dragon two, right. Um, which with movies, I can understand seeing like clips and stuff. Like if you're like if you see an actor or something on a talk show that's promoting it and they have like a short clip, I sure. can right. I can see that being kind of your thing. But I mean, I don't seek out this stuff. I mean, I'll watch like a trailer because it's made to promote the movie for me, um, and I'll kind of figure out if the marketing team does a good job. I'll, I'll want to see it. But I won't seek out like clips or anything like that, um, especially with a movie like Godzilla, which I mean, it's got this kind of it's a monster movie. I want to wait and see the monster. Like when Cloverfield came out, there was this big mystery over like, oh, what's the monster going to look like? And oh, if you pause this frame right here and watch this frame and extend it and go two frames ahead, you can see just the back of of the Cloverfield monster and you can figure out I'm like, why? Why? go through all that yeah (laughs) the the movie's gonna come out in a month um but with the and then it's it's quadruple that uh that feeling toward watching uh promos and clips for tv shows 
a week before they come out, which I just think is just ridiculous because there's it's such a finite runtime for a television show. That why would you want to see clips of something that you're going to watch in a week? Right. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, have the same, I have the same opinion, especially something like this. Like you said, you're you're robbing yourself of a tense reveal in a monster movie. You know why? Yeah. You're, you're robbing yourself of that of that enjoyment. So right. Um, yeah. Funny side note: a bit of promotion for a friend of the show. Um, intermission podcast. They had they had an episode where I think it was Josh on the on the podcast. He gave a pre review of Godzilla, where it was basically he just outlined what he thought the whole plot was going to be. <laughs> it's it it was it was pretty funny. You, I'll throw a link in the show notes for it, but it was pretty funny. Um, cool. So yeah, uh, that's cool. So that's that's what you got for Popery. Yep. Cool. Uh, is it? Do you want me to go next, or do you want to do you want to go last? Uh, I'll go last. It's cool, I guess. Okay, sure. Uh, I'll talk about a movie, The Raid Two. Oh, nice. Did you see it? I did see it. Nice. I haven't seen it yet. Yep. Okay. I hated it so much. Did you? Oh, that's I such really, a bummer. Really, really did. Uh, and I and I want to bring it up. I wouldn't have brought it up except the reviews for it are through the roof. Really. Um. Now, when I say the reviews, I mean the message boards. Okay. The lay people are calling it a masterpiece of martial arts cinema. They're calling it leaps and bounds better the first one, better than the first one, and they're saying it possibly the best movie of the year, certainly the best action movie of the year. Holy crap. None of those things are true, and <laughs> and I'm kind of having an existential moment. Like what did I miss about this movie? Huh. Mm. I hated it so so much. Um, and more than anything, I was let down because the first one is so freaking awesome. Yo, I love the first one. I talked about the first raid is fantastic and it's fantastically simple. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, and it's awesome because it's simple and the, the fight scenes are probably the best fight scenes I have ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Um, now that you could say the fight scenes in, um, the raid two are impressive. They are absolutely impressive. Certainly fun to watch. However, uh, they break like every sequel rule. And if sequel rule, uh, if sequel rule number one is to always go bigger and better than the first one, mm. it certainly did not do that. It was incredibly boring. The script was heinous and offensively bloated, mm. uh, and needlessly confusing. So I'm, I'm thrown for a loop trying to figure out why people love this movie so much. I, I cannot believe it. So um, halfway through the movie, I turned to my buddy who who was also pissed, like visibly sad because he <laughs> liked the first one even more than I did. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I have a theory and I'm going to tell you at the end of the movie what, what my theory is. Okay. And so when it was over, I said, I, I am as certain as I have ever been that this is a spec script, oh. that this was a movie written for something else that they borrowed mm. and placed – the guy from the first raid into it. Wow. Ooh. So when I get home, I look it up. Turns out I was right. It was a movie called Baron doll that they tried to make, uh, and they couldn't get the funding. So they made the first raid. And when that was successful, they made the raid two and they used the character from the first one to put it in. I don't freaking understand. No, I don't f-ing understand <laughs> how these people on the internet missed that. Because yeah. it was frustrating the entire movie long. 
And I couldn't believe what people are saying about this movie because it is so clearly a spec script for another movie Mm -hmm. that Rama, the main character, doesn't even fit. Jeez. It was an incredibly frustrating movie experience. Huh. And it'll probably wind up on my worst movies of the year list. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is a shame. That is my... My concerns going into the going into it, I mean, I've, I've I haven't seen it yet, but my main concern was that it's two and a half hours long, and Mike, an I, hour too long. Okay, yeah, because I I know like I know like I was kind of curious what you would think of that because I know that like you and I'm sure all of us are really precious with mm-hmm. our time as we grow older, but um, it. I saw one trailer and I thought, okay, it looks kind of cool. It's it's not going to be in uh in a in an apartment block or whatever it's going to be kind of open open world if you will but i wished deeply that it was yeah it was that's such a bummer because it's mm-hmm. and you know it's not as far as being a spec script reappropriated for for an existing franchise or whatever um that's worked in the past i'm a huge fan of saw 2 i might be in the minority sure. there um yeah. But I mean, like, like uh, Jigsaw fits in that movie. Um, sure. So that, that sounds like just a huge, huge. Yeah, there are there are like twenty minute chunks where our main character is not in the movie. Jeez. Oh man. Ugh. What a blunder. That sounds terrible. Yeah. It is. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't let you guys down. But no, no I, I hope I didn't bum one, you so. guys out. No, you no. Seen the first one. No, I haven't. Oh, please do. But I avoid will. the second one like the plague. <laughs> if if I had seen the second one first, I probably would have said this is not a great movie, but the fight scenes are really really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we kind of saw that with some newbie newbies who hadn't seen the first one, and they kind of had that to say about it. They yeah. the the first one was not precious to them at all, Jeez. and so they were kind of like, yeah, it was all right. It was kind of fun to watch, kind of confusing, but whatever. And I just hated it because I you know. I knew how excellent the first one was. Yeah. And what surprises me about that is that they, I mean, they've had the second one in the works and a third one kind of greenlit. I think, I think it's, there's been planned as a trilogy. Yeah. So what that's just, that's so, uh, um, anachronistic, I guess, to, to the idea mm-hmm. of that, that they would just use an existing script to reappropriate it for, for this thing when they have another sequel, in the pipeline like why not make it a cohesive story an original story i mean people are going to go to see it for the martial arts and everything mm-hmm. um but i mean at least make it a little bit uh of a flair with storytelling i guess i wonder if it was a um um for for monetary reasons like you know how studios will buy up scripts and just mm-hmm. never use them and just let them sit forever. They'll just shelf them forever. Uh, I wonder if it was a, a thing where, like, well, we don't want to pay the original writers to come back because we're going to have to pay them a whole bunch of money to get them to come back and make a sequel. So we're just going to reappropriate this script that we bought for, like, five grand ten years ago. Yeah. I wonder if it was a yeah. case of that. That sounds likely. Yeah. That's a bummer. Um, it is. It is a bummer. I'm yeah. sorry if you guys were looking forward to that one, or Matt, if you were looking forward to that one. I was, but I mean, I wasn't in a hurry to go see it. I when it came out in theaters, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna go see it," and then I was like, "Wait, it's two and a half hours long. I need to sleep." Um, <laughs> so maybe when it comes out on DVD or something, I might check it out. Yeah. But I'm not gonna be in a hurry now because wow. Um, yeah. 
so should I go now to round us out? Take us out. Yep. All right. Well, my puppery is a couple news items that I read today. Uh, the first one is, yeah, we're not going to have a lot to talk about with this one, but, um, Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin kind of, uh, apologized for the newsroom yeah in no uncertain terms i guess like he was kind of like i didn't expect it to be this this kind of movie or this kind of show that um was supposed to be about the muck-ups of of journalists or whatever he just wanted a contemporary uh uh story based in in the contemporary word world but um with real stories, news stories and all that. And I mean, I like the newsroom. Um, I don't think that the premise of the show or the, or the time frame of the show is what he should apologize for. <laughs> uh, okay. because honestly, I think that's part, one of the best parts of it. Um, it's been, it was renewed for a third season, but the third season is going to be the final season and it's only going to be six episodes. Um, but, it's not a show that I feel should have been apologized for in that way. Um, a lot of people give a lot of flack. Uh, I don't know. It, it's a good show. It's a good show. It's Sorkin, quick dialogue, uh, um, back into kind of the, um, uh, I don't know what the words I'm looking for, but kind of a, kind of a present day using the backdrop of news stories of, present day news stories is kind of uh, a running force of the show, I guess. Um, but something that they got really um, a lot of people kind of disparaged the show about is the relationship between um, Will McAvoy played by Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels. Yeah. And, uh, and Mackenzie McHale by uh, Emily Mortimer, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad I got those names right. I'm so tired guys. <laughs> But anyway, uh, that's a much maligned uh, relationship in the show, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, you guys, you guys can hate on that and everything, but it's Sorkin. I mean, I hate to to put a negative tone to anything about the guy because I mean, he's like a he's a brilliant screenwriter, um, but he's a master of dialogue. He's a genius of dialogue. And I think his weak point has always been in depicting relationships. I mean, I didn't think that in Studio 60, um, the central relationship with that show with Amanda Peet and Bradley Whitford, um, I don't think that that was as strong as it was supposed to be. Uh, the chemistry was a little off and the dialogue just didn't seem like real relationship kind of stuff. Uh, um, I, I know. You're that's nuts. just how I feel. And I just, I just think that that's always been kind of a weak point. And he got some, he got some flack for, um, the depiction of women in the social network also. Um, and it was, it was just, I mean, I'm just like, okay, that comes with the territory, but I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I, it's weird that he's apologizing for something that, I mean, he should like the last episode of the second season of the newsroom ended with this really hokey, scene between Will McAvoy and Mackenzie McHale that was like, okay, that's what you need to apologize for. <laughs> um, 
It's but, such a recycled plot point for him too. He used yeah. he's literally used it at least once in every single show. Yeah. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was in Newsnight, it was in West Wing, it was in Studio Sixty, and it's basically used twice in the newsroom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. he does it amazingly well though. I disagree right. with Matt on this. Well the newsroom is probably the weakest example of it. I'll give you that. Yeah. 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 I just, and, and to his credit, like to those people that say that, that condemn him for, um, the relationship and then that, and that show, it's still like, you can still commend him for the relationship between Olivia Munn and, uh, what's his name? Sadusky, um, Don in the show. Because yeah. um, I thought that that was like that was like throughout the second season they were building up this kind of relationship kind of thing between those two and I'm like wow Sorkin finally gets it because <laughs> <laughs> uh, then again like I said relationships with Sorkin I, I'm not that keen on those that's the one blemish of his of his screenwriting that I'm not a fan of but anyway so I th- I thought that that was an interesting uh, um piece of news but the other piece of news that also ties back to sorkin really quick is that i just read um that uh david fincher has not is not gonna do the sorkin's um steve jobs movie Mm -hmm. but they currently have in talks danny boyle to direct the Steve Jobs movie in his yeah that was my mind blowing yeah. how do you feel about that Maddie oh I'm so happy I how hope many that pairs of pants did you go through today a lot a <laughs> lot um no I'm so happy for multiple reasons I mean I really really liked Trance I need to watch it again but I'm so excited for him to kind of if he takes this job or he's able to get this job um, takes this job yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> This job, yeah. Well, if he if he gets if he you know if he if he makes this movie, um, <laughs> if he makes I'm the Steve. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for him to go back to kind of the awards movie kind of kind of genre, I guess. Because Trance was was a good movie, but it was very much early early Boyle movie, I guess. I'm excited when he does anything. Yeah. Oh, me too. Oh, me yeah. too. And uh, what's what's really cool about it, and it's funny because the casting is kind of weird, but he wants to get his first choice is Leo DiCaprio, mm-hmm. which like the article that I read that said, I think it was on Slash Film, um, <laughs> said, which is funny because uh, Danny Boyle looks more like Steve Jobs than Leo DiCaprio does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Mark Ruffalo might be good. Oh, that would be a good one. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but do you know what the script is? Yes. Yeah, it's not a biopic. It's a uh, three 30-minute real-time scenes um, that each are a part of a different Apple launch, like the first computer, the first laptop or something, the first iPod. Huh. Right. Yeah, which, I mean, it's Sorkin. As long as they don't talk about his relationship with his wife or whatever, he's he's golden. <laughs> Sorkin can pull it off. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So that's my potpourri. Uh, I thought that was cool. Uh, cool. Hopefully, hopefully that comes to fruition. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Huh, well, we've been yammering a lot. Uh, yeah. Should we go ahead and uh, put a cap on this one? Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. All right. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> well done. Nice. Thanks. Nice. Uh, 
All right. Well, as always, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer podcast. And thank you to Star Tissue for providing our awesome opening theme music. You can find more of their music at soundcloud.com slash star tissue. The link is also in the show notes if you'd like it to find it there. Um, if you could, make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It doesn't take long, and it really helps us out a lot. Also, if uh, you want to, vote for us for Podcast of the Month at podcastland.com. Um, it doesn't take long either. You just give them your email address. They don't spam you or anything, and it, it'll also help us out a lot. Um, as for us, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Matt, at Obsessive Viewer. Uh, Tiny is at Obsessive Tiny, and Mike is at I am Mike White. Uh, <laughs> And you can also check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com. Uh, I've been reviewing every episode of Bates Motel and the second season of House of Cards. So check those out if those are uh, what you want uh, to – or if that's what you're into. Man. <laughs> Not to mention you'll find plenty of movie reviews and industry commentary and just crap that's on my mind. Um, you can also check out uh, obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews. We have a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline for that. Um, I'm going to be reviewing every – every collected like trade paperback of the walking dead leading up to the next season. So I just put that out there so that I'm going to commit myself to that. Holy crap. Um, yeah, so that's that. Um, uh, so check that out of obsessivebooknerd.com. The first, first review should drop on May 18th. Um, yeah. And then also check out, uh, appropriate for this episode's content, uh, check out the secularperspective.com. That's Tiny's side project of, uh, podcast about, uh, his secularism that I contribute to, uh, fairly regularly. Um, yeah. And that about does it. You can also email us, uh, anything you want, uh, cat picks, topic, uh, discussion points, your reviews, audio files of your, of you talking about movies or TV shows, anything you want, you can email us at ovpodcast at gmail.com. And that about does it. Also, we'll be at Indie PopCon next uh, next month, uh, May 31st to June 2nd, here in Indianapolis at the Convention Center. It's going to be a blast. We have a lot of stuff uh, that we're going to give away, and we have a lot of cool stuff planned. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, it's exciting. Me too. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's going to be awesome. So, yeah, that, that about does it. So... Yeah, I guess uh, I have an hour before I have to get ready for work. Uh, Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks, everyone. Thanks Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, there was something else I was going to say about that, but I can't remember. Oh, uh, speaking of Westboro Baptist Church, just randomly, they said that uh, they're going to picket the Indy 500. So that's lovely. Of course. Yeah, I, when I when I saw that, I posted it on the Secular Perspective um, Facebook page, which you can like on Facebook, um, and said that uh, said that hey, look at us, we're still relevant. Um, yeah, because that's nice. kind of well played. Yeah, that's just kind of because they're just grabbing for attention, and 